Is this on? Yeah, now it's on. I'm really sorry, you guys. We, um, wow. It just doesn't cease getting weirder and weirder. It's just a very difficult time, isn't it? Um, I wanted to come out and greet you and cheer and say hi. And we have this man or woman. We're not, we're not sure. The reason why there's 100 of you here, let me explain that to you really quick. Last night we had, um, we had 300 people in here, 10%. And, and after the service, because of the demonstrations that were going on at Victoria Gardens and the police were stealing off Victoria Gardens and we really felt like um, they were stealing off Foothill Boulevard and our staff was like, how do we get home and what are we doing? And I said, well, okay, we just sat down and prayed and we really felt like we needed to step back and not push the limit with the governor right now, push our cause right now because of the George Floyd struggle that's going on across the nation, that we need to stand with African-American men and do it thoughtfully and kindly and, um, and believe for God to heal our land. And, um, and so we, I called uh, Supervisor Gonzalez last night. I've been talking to Aquanetta, our mayor, and she's sitting here in the front row and just saying, you know what? Um, we really feel like we have been, um, you know, kicked to the curb. We do, and we've made that really clear to the governor's office. And yet at this point, I don't think it's the right day, the right time, the right moment to make a statement about that. I think we've always served our community and we need to serve our community right now, not ourselves. So I don't wanna to appear to be self-serving. I wanna make sure we serve our community. So having said that, that's why we split you up into groups of 100 here, 100 on the patio, and 100 um, into the MPV because of that struggle. Now what just happened in here that I wanna speak to really quick is there was a person in a burqa which we are totally fine. If Muslim people want to come to church here, we would love that, but that is not what was happening. So that person um, we suspect is a man and had a backpack. And so we asked them if we could search their backpack. They said, no, they would leave. They went out on the street and met a photographer. So they have a whole thing set up here. So just, I want you to know that. So they're out on the street right now on the sidewalk out in front and um, we're trying to work that out as well. So, you know, when this kind of things happen, there's no question hell hates us. You know, there's no question about that. And, and there's no question that God is in love with us and we gotta take the high road every chance we get. We gotta love people every chance we get. We gotta do the right thing every chance we get, amen? And we gotta keep doing the right thing. So Father, we wanna come to you and just say, God, open the doors of the church on Pentecost Sunday. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the state Jim Franklin up in Fresno, the brothers, uh, <clears throat> Mike McClure in Livermore, and these guys that are gonna get arrested today, Father, for opening their churches, we pray for them. We pray for our county and our city, for you, Holy Spirit, to fall on our city, fall on our hearts, God, that's why we're here. We wanna worship you, we wanna be touched by you, we wanna be changed by you, and empowered to change our world and to do it in such a life-giving way that we amaze the people that see us, Father. So come, Holy Spirit, and work your work in us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen, amen. Let's stand and worship.
praise will go forth. Lord, our praise will go forth. You deserve the glory. Because I count on one thing, the same God who never fails will not fail us now. You won't fail us now. It's in the waiting. Our same God who's never late, he's working all things out. You're working all things out. So yes, I will lift you high in my lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. Oh, my best. Oh, yes, I will.
It's Christ alone. He's the cornerstone, weak, made strong in the Savior's love. It's through.
because we've been there and we've seen the outcome when we put our faith and our trust in God. If you are hurting today, turn your face towards him. He's there with open arms. So Father, we just say that we trust you. We know the power that you hold. So God, we are gonna lean into your promises, your word, the firm foundation on which we stand. We can't be shaken. No weapon formed against us will prosper with you, God. So, Lord, we declare that today, and we believe in your promises that you're holding for all of us. We give you the glory, the glory that only you deserve. Come have your way. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's such an honor to worship with you guys and to see faces in front of us. Oh, my gosh, it's been so long. So we are celebrating that with you today. So we're not giving handshakes, we're not hugging, but we are doing friendly waves to one another. So greet one another before you're seated. Keep your mask on. We love you guys. God bless you. Before you call the cops, I just want you to know the first thing that I did when I woke up this morning was yell at my alarm clock. My parents were raised in the South. I have to roll tide or they'll disown me. They raised me in Las Vegas. That city still has my heart. I hate spiders. I'm a vegetarian. I'm not proud about it. I've done goat yoga. I'm really not proud about that. I can tell you every single word off the NWA Straight Outta Compton album. I can also sing you every single word from Oklahoma. Bananas are disgusting. I am a Christian. I spend almost every Sunday morning teaching kids in Sunday school. I am often asked if I am Muslim. I'm okay with that. I'm pretty much convinced if you met my mother, you'd automatically become a better person. My father is a veteran. He taught me how to say yes sir and yes ma'am to everyone that I meet. I don't hate our president. I pray for him. I love basketball and also hockey. This is my brother, James. This is my brother, Mike. This is my brother, John. And this is my brother, Rob. I've never been to jail. I've never owned a gun. 
I hate that anyone at all might possibly be afraid of me. I'd go around the world and back again if I knew that single act might make your day better. I'm a proud man. I'm a proud black man. Does any of this really matter? No. I just wanted you to get to know me better before you call the cops. Well, I saw that this week and I thought about the guy who's sitting right down here to my left. <laughs> Pastor Michael Edwards, we used to have these talks. First time he ever said to me, Pastor Dan, do you know what it's like to walk around the park in Ranch Cucamonga and be going up the sidewalk and have a white lady coming down the sidewalk and when she sees that you're a black man that she turns and goes the other way or she walks as far away from you as she can because she's afraid of you? Do you know what that feels like? I never forgot that conversation ever because I couldn't imagine what that feel like. And today, I think it's so important for all of us to, to stand, particularly with black men, and say that the injustice has got to stop. It's got to stop. It's wrong to be a black man in America and be afraid for your life every day when you go out. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. And we, as a church, we gotta speak up, friends, nicely, kindly, thoughtfully, lovingly. We gotta speak up. Anytime we see injustice, whatever that looks like, that's really injustice, we have to speak up. And then you have to be wise and thoughtful about what you're doing and how it plays for everybody. I mean, let's be honest about this. We just asked this person in a burqa to leave today because they were a threat with a backpack. And it was in fact a man inside of a burqa who's out on the patio now with their film crew. It was a whole stage thing, you guys. It was a plan to try to shame us. And, and what is happening in our land today? Come on, help me. What's happening in our land today that People of faith can't worship freely, but part of the reason is, and please watch this, because we haven't spoken up nicely, lovingly, thoughtfully. We haven't taken our rightful place. You look at the civil rights movement and you think, how did this happen? It happened because Dr. King was a believer and he stood up and he did it thoughtfully. I mean, he's the one who said, look at the church isn't the master of the state or the servant of the state. The church is supposed to be the conscience of the state. And that's what we've got to be, friends. We've got to take our rightful place in our country today, and we've got to speak up against all forms of injustice when we see them. And we've got to do it kindly. We have to do it lovingly. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Uh, and and I, I don't want to put a damper on your day today, but there's things larger than each of us, aren't there? There's things, if, that was, if George Floyd was your uncle, how would you feel? I mean, if he was your friend or your neighbor, how would you feel? I, I mean, you gotta put yourself in those places because Jesus said to, didn't he? Come on, I'm listening. He did say to do that. So uh, we, we just, all of us have got to make right decisions every day, friends. We gotta make right decisions because they change our world. They change the world that you're living in today and we're not doing that well as a church. We gotta speak up thoughtfully, nicely and stand against injustice when it's happening inside of people's hearts. We have to say something then. So, 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 I don't wanna just stay up here and preach at you all day, yes I do, 
It's been months since I've seen a face in here to preach to. So <laughs> this is so strange, isn't it? I want to welcome you out on the patio. I can see you through the door. I want to welcome you in the MPV. We're so glad you guys are out there. Again, if you came late, we decided to step back and go in hundreds today. And really just to be able to say we want to, we want to not try to steal any kind of situation or put our situation ahead of somebody else's right now. We want to serve our community. We want to do it thoughtfully. We want to do it in a life-giving way. So while you're here on campus, I want to invite you to keep your masks on. I was supposed to tell you all this at the beginning. Keep your kids with you so that they're safe. And let's be thoughtful and show uh, people who are here, whether it's media or other people, that we can do this well. Is that right? Last night, the LA Times was here. That, this is really important. The LA Times was here last night, and the lady walked in our worship center, and so many of you with yellow shirts on, I just want to cheer for all of you with yellow shirts on and say, way to go. You're amazing. Those of you working out in the parking lot, you're amazing. But this lady from the LA Times, she walked in, and she just looked around at everything that we had done, plastic on the chair. She goes, okay, you guys are really thoughtful. I mean, I didn't say a word to her. That, that was her response to what she saw. And really, that's the statement we need to make, isn't it? Today, that, like I've said to the governor's office on the phone this week, we're rational, we're smart people, we want to keep our people safe, we want to do this safely, please let us meet safely. Does that make sense? More than 100 in a room. Okay, let's keep going here. I'm supposed to cover a couple other things really fast for you. Some of you are desperate for small groups, and I want to encourage you to get in one. We're doing online small groups, backyard small groups, outdoor spaces small groups. We're doing all kinds of small groups. Some of you need to get in a small group right now. We're looking for leaders so we can keep expanding our small groups. So if you want to sign up, go on wateroflifeupdates.com. Get signed up for a small group. We'll get some people in your backyard or your Zoom meeting or whatever you're going to do, and we'll help you to connect with people because you need people. Is that right? We all need to get back together again. So we're going to do Discovery Water of Life. I'm not sure if we're doing it live or online or what. I'm looking kind of you and Linda. You're like, okay, so um, we're going to do that on June 13th at 2 o'clock. So if you're out there listening and you want to join us, and I know that there are thousands of people out there listening, so we want to invite them to do Discovery Water of Life with us. And also we're going to do our VBS this summer. I think it's going to be mostly online, but we may do rotations of 100 kids at a time throughout the day, bringing them in and letting them be together in a live kind of situation. So if you want to be part of that, you can text 818-818, and we're going to get people signed up for that. Father, we want to come to you right now. God, there's so many distractions, so many voices, so much noise, that Holy Spirit, we want to come to you and say, quiet our hearts and our minds. Speak with power. Thank you, Lord, that on Pentecost, on Pentecost Sunday, people were still before you, they were praying before you, they were crying out before you, and you poured out your presence. So we want to say to you today, Holy Spirit, come with power, come with authority, come with healing. Lord Jesus, enthrone yourself on our praises, enthrone yourself on, our, on your word. Come and meet us in a huge way. And everybody in all the different rooms said what? Amen, amen, amen. Okay, you got a Bible, an iPad, a phone. Turn to Zechariah chapter 6. We're going to jump back into Zechariah. If you haven't been with us, uh, I was reading Zechariah a few weeks ago, and really just Zechariah is a prophet of hope. And I just thought, man, we need some hope. Let's study Zechariah for a few weeks. So I launched into that a week or two ago, and I wanted to talk to you about a weird kind of thing in Zechariah today. 
And in order to get you to understand where we're going to go, I want to tell you three stories. So they're all stories in the Bible. And at first, you're going to go like this. What? 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 What are you telling me this for? Because it's really, really important to your life. So trust me, when we land the plane, you're going to be happy you were on it, okay? So just stay with me for a minute, and let's tell some stories. So let's start. You got your Bible, your iPad, your phone? Let's start with 2 Chronicles chapter 26. If you got your Bible, iPad, phone, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I want to tell you about a guy uh, who was a king. His name is Uzziah. Anybody here ever heard of him? Okay, he's not a very famous guy, but he's an interesting guy. So Uzziah was a king in Israel. I want, to, I want you to hear how it went for him. In verse 1, chapter 26, 2 Chronicles, all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. Hold, hold, hold it. 16 years old. Anybody in here 16? Anybody in here 17, 15, 14? I'm looking. Okay, yeah, put that hand up over there, girl. Say yeah. Okay, can we make you the queen today? Yeah. I mean, come on, think about that. If you took somebody who is 15 years old and made them your king, that's what they did with this poor guy. He's 15 years old. They make him the king in place of his father who had just died. And then it says this in verse 4. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah the prophet, who had understanding through visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. How many of you know that's true for all of us? The more you chase after God, the more God blesses you. The more God increases your possibility. But, 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 there's a problem with this story. If you got your Bible, iPad, phone, look over at verse 16. I have to turn a page to get there, but verse 16, it says this. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. Okay, hold, hold it. How many of you heard this story before? There's a word for what he was doing. What is it? Say it loud. It's a, it's a theological term we use at Water of Life. What is it? Stupid. Okay, it is. It's stupid. He's stupid. And, and you, you look at this and you go, okay, what is wrong with you, dude? God blessed you and now you're stupid. Okay, he was unfaithful to the Lord his God for he entered into the temple of the Lord God to burn incense on the altar of incense. Then Azariah, the priest, entered in after him with 80 valiant, mighty men, priests of the Lord, and they opposed Uzziah the king. Okay, that's a big deal. This is a big deal. You got, there's a confrontational big deal, right? You got priests standing against the king. And there's 80 of them, and they're standing against the king who's in the temple offering a sacrifice. And so it says that they, the king, they, they opposed King Uzziah, and they said, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary. Hold, 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 hold it. You're talking to the king. What did they say? Would you please leave, sir? Did they say that? What was it? Get out. Get out, dude, you are not allowed in here. Get out, get out of here. So he, they, they don't ask him, they tell him, get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you will have no honor from the Lord your God. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand, burning incense, became enraged. While he was enraged with the priest, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord, beside the altar of incense. And as Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him and freaked out because he was now unclean and he's in the middle of the temple. And they hurried him out of there. It says, and he himself 
also hastened to get out as fast as he could because he knew the Lord had smitten him, judged him, and he was in trouble. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. I told you I was going to read you a story, and you're going to say what? What? Why did you read us that story? Because this story is really important for your life. So watch where this goes now. Another story. Why did these guys have an issue with the king going in the temple? That's a really important question. I was hoping you are going to ask that. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is your second story. 1 Samuel chapter 8 is a great picture, a great picture of what God is up to and what he's trying to make happen in Israel, and Israel won't let it happen. How many know that there's times when we stand against God? Hello? How many know when you stand against God, you get yourself in trouble? <laughs> this is a bad thing, right? <clears throat> so, in second, in, in, I said 2 Samuel, I think maybe 1 Samuel, chapter 8. It's 1 Samuel, chapter 8. 1 Samuel, chapter 8, verse 4. All, it says, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel, the prophet at Ramah. <clears throat> Excuse me, they said to him, behold, dude, you got old. That's kind of what my elders are saying to me now. He said, you've grown old in your ways. And he said, but your sons do not walk like you. So this guy's son, Samuel's sons were corrupt. They were really, they were bad guys. And so they said, we, we don't want your sons to take your place. So appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. Please, if you've got a Bible, an iPad, a phone, you ought to underline that. Appoint a king to do what? To judge us. Please note that. This is very important for you. A king who will do what? Come on, say it loud with me. Judge us. A king who will judge us. So they wanted a king. Now you got to get this. God had set up what was called a theocracy. And God ruled over Israel and he wanted to be their what? Their king. He wanted to be their king. But they're saying, no, 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 no. We don't want you to be our king anymore. We want what? We want a king. We want a person. And they say it this way. You've gotten old, appoint us a king. But this thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel. They said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, dude, this is not about you. He said, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they are saying to you, for they have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being king over them. Verse 8, it says, like all the deeds which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, they have forsaken me, served other gods. Now they're doing the same thing to you. Verse 9, it says, now then listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them. Tell them they are stupid. Okay, no, he didn't say that. Tell them they have the procedure of the king who's going to reign over them. Now, let me ask you a question. If you hear all this stuff that he's going to say, do you think you would still want a king? Listen where this goes. Samuel spoke the words of the Lord to the people who would ask him for a king. And he said, here will be the procedure of the king who will rule over you. He will take your sons and he'll place them for himself in his chariots and among his horsemen, and then they will run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and fifties, and some of, his, some of them will do his plowing, some will reap his harvest, and some will make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters. They will become perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields. Sounds like being taxed in California. Okay, let's keep going. Um, no, he'll take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and he'll give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give them to his officers and his servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your best young men, your donkeys. He'd taken everything. You will even give him a tenth of your flocks. Then, in verse 18, 
You will cry out in that day because of your king who you chose for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you. In verse 19, they said, oh, thank you for warning us, God, we're so stupid. Is that what they said? No, they said, nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said what? No, there shall be a king over us. We want to be like everybody else, that our king will judge us and go in and out before us and fight our battles. Oh, boy. Okay. How many know this is a bad picture? <clears throat> now, here's what God just said. People get corrupted by power. And so here's what I'm going to do. I warned you ahead of time. Now, I'm going to even go further than that. I'm going to put a boundary around the king. Now, I want to show you the boundary. That gets us finally, I know you're wondering if we're ever going to get there, to Zechariah chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. We'll put them up on the screen if you're in one of the venues out on the patio. Let's read this loud and together. It says, this is what the Lord of the... Oh, oh, hold it. I can't tell. There are not very many of y'all in here. But I, I loud and what? Come on, help me now. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Here is a man called the branch. He will branch out from where he is and build the temple of the Lord. Then he'll receive... <laughs> Let's start over there. Then he will receive royal honor and will rule as king from his throne. And he will also serve as priest from his throne. And there will be perfect harmony between his two roles. Okay, two things really quick. First, it says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's, and our, uh, uh, Heaven's army says. There will be a man called Branch. We're going to teach that to you next week. That's a great story. This is an incredible picture. I've done some devotions on it. Those of you who get the devotions have heard some of that. It's used six times in the Old Testament. Great picture. We're not going to go there today. But here's what I want you to pick up. It says that there will be one. This is prophesying about Jesus, right? There will be one who will rule from his throne, a king from his throne, and he will serve as a priest from his throne as well, and there will be perfect harmony between his two roles. Okay, hold it. For a Jewish person right now, they would have gone, what? What? You can't do that. Now, here's why. Because God had actually set up such a strong boundary between the offices of priest and king, they could never cross each other. Why? Because God didn't want the priest and the king to operate in the same office because they would have too much what? Power. And it would put the people in greater danger. So he put a boundary, even as far as their lineage went. So all of the kings came from what tribe? Come on, somebody know your Bible here. What tribe did Jesus come from? Judah, the tribe of Judah. So, so kings came from the tribe of what? Judah and priests came from the tribe of what? Levi. So Levites are priests, okay, and Judah is kings. They never mix together. But this prophecy in Zechariah says there will be one who will serve from his throne as king, and he will also serve as priest. God just mixed up the what? The two offices. Do you understand this? But see, actually in the Old Testament, there's not two offices. There are what? There's three. There's the prophet, the priest, and the king. These three offices rule over the Old Testament and, and the people of Israel and give direction and guidance, healing, and life to the people. And I want to explain that to you because this is really important to you. I know now you're sitting there going, how? Watch. Watch this. The three offices that Jesus filled, 
Prophet, priest, and king. Let's go with prophets first. What did prophets do? They rebuked sin, proclaimed mercy to people that were broken. They interpreted events of the past, the present, and the future, and they brought healing to people. And we can go through, and I'll show you some pictures of that. What about Old Testament priests? Old Testament priests, on the other hand, functioned as representatives of the people. They offered gifts of sacrifice for sins on behalf of people in relationship to God. So priests are always bridge builders. Do you get this? Okay, so bridge builders, priests, kings, what do kings do? I told you just a, a few minutes ago at the very beginning what kings do. They judge. Did you get that part? Remember when I said that they judge? And you might go, what does that mean? That means that they, they, they're the ones who set with judicial power. They had the authority to make decisions over the people's lives. So you've got prophets who rebuke sin, brought healing, interpret events of the past, present, and the future. You have Old Testament priests. They represent the people. They offer sacrifices for sin on behalf of people to build a bridge back to God. And you have kings who function in the, the realm of judicial power, civil realm. They're oftentimes military figures as well. And that's what you think of when you think of a king. You think about what? A, a military person like David, right? Like David would go in and come out, come in and go out, and he would fight battles for the people. But, but now watch what happens. Much of this, you're sitting there right now going, it means nothing to me. Oh, it does. It means everything to you. Because see, the king represented rulership of the kingdom of God, and the kingship of God, and the seat of judgment of God. So get that picture in your head. There's a seat of judgment, that's the king's role. The priest represents the people in their fallenness and brokenness before God, and the, and, and the, the priest reconciled the people because he was, a, he was the one who the king would judge, the priest would reconcile. Do you get that? King would judge, priest would reconcile, but the prophet, the prophet would say, good days ahead, bad days ahead, here's what's happening right now. Oh, and by the way, I want to heal you. That's what the prophet's role was. So they all had different roles in the Old Testament. Now, when you get this, to understand it, turn in your Bible, the first king's with me, and I'll give you the last story, and then we'll start landing the plane. So you can, you're, I know some of you are like, let's get there. I want to know what's going on. Watch this. Chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Some of you will know this story, but probably not the context of it. It says, then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. And it happened on third, three days later that, that after I gave birth, that she gave birth to a child as well, and we were alone in the house together. So you got the picture, right? You got two ladies in a the house. They each had a baby, right? They live in the same house together, and there's a problem. What's the problem? Well, the problem was there was no stranger in the house, it says, only two of us in the house. And this woman's son died during the night because she laid on him. It's a bad picture, right? I mean, she laid on her baby and killed him. Verse 20, she arose in the middle of the night. She took my son beside me while your maidservant was asleep and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead son on me. And when I rose up in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, he wasn't my son. And the other woman said, no, no, the living one is my son and the dead one is yours. And the first woman said, no, sir, the dead one is yours and the living one is mine. And thus they spoke before the king. They're before the king because they want the king to do what? Come on, help me say it loud. Judge, they want the king to judge. So they want the king to judge whose son it is. Then the king says in verse 23, 
This is, uh, the, the, the king spoke to one, says, it's my son who's living, your son is dead. The other says, no, your son is dead, my son's a living one. The king said, I have an idea. Get me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two, give half to one and half to the other. And the woman whose child was a living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son, and said, oh my lord, give her the living child, by no means kill him. But the other one said, chop that boy up, okay? He shall neither be yours nor mine, divide him. And the king said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him, for she is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, and they feared the king because they saw the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Now this is such a great picture because it really helps you understand the role of a king, doesn't it? You get that? So you got three opposites. You got prophet, priest, and what? And king. The king is a judge. The prophet speaks and clarifies situations around the people and brings healing to them. And the priest reconciles the people to God. So here's what you got. You go back into this story and you say, what happened? What happened? What happened? Well, Jesus functions. It says he breaks the boundary. It says in Zechariah 6, 13, he will serve as priest from his throne and king from his throne. For a Jewish person, that was unheard of. That it would actually be God breaking God's rules because God is the one who set up the covenant. Do you understand covenant? The deal, the Old Testament deal. God set up a deal, locked himself in with the people and said, this is how it's gonna be. And only kings come from Judah, priests come from what? Levi, the tribe of Levi. So here you go. You got a problem here because then David made a prophetic statement about Jesus as well. In Psalms 110, he said Jesus will rule in the midst of his enemies as a king, and then he said he would also be a priest. Psalm 110. So David prophesied the same thing. Somebody came to me last night and said, Pastor Dan, didn't David work as a king and a prophet sometimes? I said, he did. He moved in and out of offices a little bit. But you gotta understand this. Nobody moved into the office and grabbed a hold of it. He, David would touch it and move back out. David was primarily a what? Come on, help me, what was David? A king, he was a king. David's a king not a prophet or a priest. So, so what does that mean for you? You're sitting there going, I don't know, I don't know. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you know why Uzziah now got leprosy on his forehead? Why did Uzziah get leprosy on his forehead? Because he tried to operate as a what? As a priest when he was a what? A king, and it can't happen. Do you know why Saul lost his throne to David? Because Saul tried to operate, it says in 1 Samuel 13, that Saul tried to operate as a priest whenever Samuel didn't show up and he was afraid of fighting the Midianites. And so what did he do? He said, I forced myself. And Samuel said, what did you do? Make an offering to God. You can't do that. Well, we would all look at it and go, well, why not? Because you're not a what? You're not a priest. You can't use both offices, you can't cross the boundary. And you cross the boundary, and, and Saul knew he crossed the boundary, he said, I, I'm so sorry, I forced myself. Literally, that's what he said. I was afraid, so I blew up and I did the wrong thing. And what did the, the prophet say to him? Samuel said, you will now lose your office to a man who's better than you, a man who has a heart after what? God, that was where that first statement was made about David. A man after his own heart was made whenever Saul fell, operating in both opposites. So you see all over, all over, all over the Old Testament, the Mosaic Covenant, the Old Testament Covenant, did not allow this to happen. Now, 
Some of you are really mixed up at this point. You're like, why are you telling us all this? Here you go. This is really good. You're going to love this. See, here's the deal. How many of you read the book of Hebrews? One hand, two hands, like this. Anybody? Three, four. Okay, there's a handful of you. How many read the book of Hebrews and wondered what you were reading? <laughs> book of Hebrews is really tough to read, isn't it? I mean, you read it and you're like, what, what, what? The book of Hebrews was written about the Old Testament covenant, the Mosaic law, turning into the New Testament covenant in Jesus. And that's why most of us don't understand it when we read it, because we don't think about the Old Testament covenant. So it deals with this issue of crossing offices. It deals with this issue of mixing up the prophet, the priest, and the what? And the king, it deals with that. And we don't understand that when we read it, so we read it, we're like, what, what, what? So here's what some of you are saying right now. Why does it matter? Let me tell you why it matters. Because what does a judge, what, what does a king do? He, he judges you, is that right? Come on, help me. He judges you. And that's exactly where some of you live with Jesus all the time. I know Christians that never move past Jesus being their judge. That's all, that's all they know. They'll just say, God doesn't love me. God is against me. God has condemned me. I feel bad. What, how do you know when somebody's living there? Because they're always in shame. They're always living regret. And they always live in the past. Did you hear what I just said? Because it might be you that I'm talking to. When you live in regret, when you live in shame and you live in the past, it's because you're trapped and haven't been set free in the present for the future. And the reality is Jesus is your king, which makes him your what? Come on, say it loud, makes him what? Your judge, he's your judge. He's your judge, but, 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 but hold it. He also operates as a priest. So he is the exact same one who judges you is the one who said, I have paid your price. I have not just judged you and left you out there feeling like an orphan, like you're just bad. When people say this to me, I say, listen, you need to go read Romans chapter seven and then get all the way up to chapter eight, verse one, because in chapter eight, verse one, it says what? There is therefore now what? No condemnation. How can Paul make that declaration because he understood this completely? Jesus is my king, but he is also my what? My priest, and he has not only judged me, he has washed me, healed me, and paid the price for everything he found wrong in me. Somebody should say, yes, God, because it's a great picture. But it's not over, it gets better. Because see, Jesus also functions as a prophet. Do you know in the Old Testament there were 133 prophets mentioned, including 16 women? 133 prophets, 16 women. They spoke, remember when we talked a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night about Philip and his daughters? He had four daughters that were all what? Prophetesses, okay. So when you see a prophet, often you just think about somebody telling the future, but that is not really what prophets usually do. They usually clarify the present. And, and sometimes even the past. They spelled out issues, but they also, watch, performed miracles. So you go back to Elijah and Elisha, and you look at people and you go, what did they do? Well, Elisha healed three different times in 2 Kings, four and five, he healed three different times. He healed a barren couple to have a child. He healed a little boy who had a headache and died. He brought him back from the dead. And then he healed Naaman of leprosy. He healed people. So, 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 in Jesus' day, how many of you know he was referred to by people who knew him as a what? Prophet, as a prophet. Remember when Jesus went back to Nazareth? 
and they were having issues with him and saying, dude, you couldn't have grown up here, ridden your skateboard down our streets and called yourself God. You can't do that. Remember that? And what did Jesus say? A prophet is never what? Honored in his own land, in his own hometown. That was Jesus' declaration about who? About himself. Jesus said he was a what? Come on, help me. What did he say he was? A prophet. So he said, not only do I operate as a king to judge you and a priest to pay the price for you, but I also operate as a prophet who can heal you. Now watch this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. It says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her, her hand, and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. And those of you who've been to Israel with us, you know you've seen Peter's house. It's the biggest place in town. And Jesus often went there to touch and heal people. It says, when evening came, there were many who were demon-possessed who were brought to Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed the sick. This was a fulfillment, what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. So why does this matter? Because friends, listen to me. Some of you've got to get past seeing Jesus just as your king and your judge. And even past just saying, I'm so glad he forgave me because he wants to heal you. And how many of you would be honest enough to say you need some of that today? You know, I was just reading some statistics during the virus, talking about the suicide rate has just skyrocketed. This just came out two weeks ago from San Diego State. They said the suicide rate has just skyrocketed. Anxiety skyrocketing in our country right now. Like 70% of people said they're dealing with anxiety now, and it used to be 21%. And it's all during the virus. Friends, here's the reality. Here's Jesus for you. And we're done. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. What does that mean? It means you gotta get real with God, friends. Some of you need deep healing. Some of you out in the patio, you need deep healing. Some of you in the MPV, you need deep healing. You gotta open up to God. You gotta understand he's more than your judge. That's where we first crash into Jesus, isn't it? When we get convicted for our sin, and then we start to open up to the reality he could be our forgiver as well. But you gotta get past king and priest to prophet. Jesus knows you. Hello, did you hear what I just said? He, want, he knows you, and what did prophets do? They speak healing over people. And some of you are desperate to be healed. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. Let me finish reading Hebrews 4. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you right now. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every, every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now listen to this, please. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Some of you never go to God with confidence. I say this to you all the time, run to God, run to God, run to God. Don't run from God. Think like this, when you run from God, you just see him as your judge. 
When you run to God, you see him as your prophet and your priest, your healer. So Father, we come to you right now and we say, Holy Spirit, what do you say over each of us? Some of us are desperately, desperately afraid right now. Full of anxiety and fear so much we don't say anything to anybody. But Lord, you, the prophet, you know everything about us. You read our mail every day. You look right through our thought life, through our feelings. And you say, please run to me. Run to me. Come with confidence to the throne of grace. You're not going to be judged here. You're going to be forgiven and healed here. So I want to ask you, and if this was a regular weekend, we'd obviously have an altar call. But we're not going to do that right now. I just want to ask you, wherever you're sitting, out on the patio, in the MPV, in here in the worship center, if you need healing right now, put your hand up. Just want to see your hand so I can pray for you. Good for you. Way to go. Good. 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 Way to go. Good. There's a lot of you in here. I'm sure there's a lot of you on the patio. And there's a lot of you in the MPV. Father, we pray for each of us with our hands up right now. God, I want to put my hand up and say, I have never seen days like these days, Father. They create fear, anxiety, stress, uncertainty. And without you, there's no way out of the darkness. But with you, Father, there's always a way. You are a way maker. And so we come to you, Holy Spirit, and we say to you right now, release healing. Speak, Lord Jesus. This Pentecost Sunday, speak healing over people in the name of Jesus. Speak life over people. Speak restoration over people. Speak renewal over people, Father. That Lift up our hearts, God. Lift up our heads, Father. Lift up our shame and our regret. Those of us that are stuck, Lord, just looking at you as a king and a judge, that today we would say, no more. I need a prophet and a priest. I need somebody to cover me and heal me. And I want to open up to you, Lord Jesus, as that person. So we cry out to you, Father. And we say, come and move on your church, Lord. Touch our hearts, God. Change us to be the people that will change our culture that will change our cities, that will change our counties and our country, God. Help us to quit complaining, Father, and just grumbling about things that we cannot change when we can let you change us and then change other situations through us by your power that Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians 2 is when I came to you in weakness, you move with power. And so, Lord, we come in weakness and we say, move Holy Spirit. Move on us with life and possibility in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, 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 and amen. Okay. Did you get it? Hello, did you get it? It was a big circle to get you there, I know it. But it's so important that you remember this. He is your king, your priest, and your what? And your prophet. So, Father, we come to you today and we say, God, bless Bless the journey this week. Open up the doors out of darkness into light. Use us, Father. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, and let us obey every word that you say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Okay, here's what I want you to do. There aren't very many of you in here, but I want you to leave the MPV uh, 
let our ushers help you out so we don't crowd up on the way out, okay? Just make your way, our ushers are gonna walk up to your aisle. When they get there, just go ahead and get up and make your way outside. Keep your mask on, please. We love you. Have a great week this week. God bless you.